Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of interviews with spiritually awakening people. There have been over 370 of them now. And if you would like to check out previous ones, go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, and look under the past interviews menu, where you'll see them organized in four or five different ways. Um, this program is made possible by the support of appreciative viewers and listeners, so if you appreciate it and feel like supporting it uh, in any way, then there's a PayPal button on every page of the website. So today, my guest is Vera Hellman. Vera is in Holland, where she's very well known, but she just told me that people don't know her too much outside of Holland, so hope, <laughs> hopefully this interview will, will help to change that. Vera was a psychotherapist for a while, and then, according to the bio she sent me, she awoke into oneness and was gifted with the full understanding of the functioning of the human mind, the essence of who we are, and the role which we play in creation. So we'll be talking about those things today. Looking from an energetic level and non-dualistic point of view, she has the ability to lovingly confront people with their misconceptions about who they truly are and how this reality functions. Being married, a mother of four, and standing with both feet firmly planted in daily life, translating from the translation from the Dutch here, <laughs> people find her, <laughs> well, changing the wording a little bit, people find her vivid appearance a recognizable example of living the art of life that resonates uh, to one's longing to live. And through her teaching style, although her teaching style is sharp and bright, she has the remarkable capacity of remaining playful and subservient in her contact with others. Um, I would say by sharp and bright you probably mean penetrating and clear, right? Are those better words? And by subservient, you probably mean humble. humble. I think you mean humble. Yes, I had to think subservient. What does it mean? <laughs> Someone else translated it for me. <laughs> yeah, subservient means like you're somebody's servant, which is okay. That's okay. Oh. That's okay. I mean, sometimes people refer to That's themselves great. in a spiritual context as your humble servant, you know? Oh, yeah. As long as I don't change in a servant, then it's yeah. fine. <laughs> but the next sentence explains what you're trying to say here. Interactions are thus based on equality and serving both selves. And I think that's really nice. And I have some other friends who are, who are spiritual teachers who are really trying to get rid of the hierarchical nature of the relationship between teachers and students that often is abused, really, in, in spiritual circles and, uh, and makes people feel like, oh, I'll never be like that person, you know. There, there's an attempt to sort of reach an equality and uh, that we're all in this together. So, yes. that's, yeah. Definitely. I, I, don't, I don't feel this hierarchy, right. not at all. And I think people also don't feel it uh, towards me. Right. And you wrote a book, Effortlessly yes. Being Yourself which I read from, managed to read this one from cover to cover this week. I don't always accomplish that, but I did. And, um, and the book is a step-by-step -step guide from ego living based on fear and greed to living one's spiritual mature potential based on self-expression and growth. And uh, in your book, it says, you, you encourage readers to take full responsibility for the role they play in their lives and the path they tread on. Um, yes. 
Okay. And in all your teachings, the final bit of this bio, your, your aim is to give insight and tools enabling the shift to a more um, congruent life and increasing understanding and enjoyment of, of what attracts in one's life. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to, to come on the show today. Yes. So, um, let's start with learning a little bit more about you. You were trained as a psychotherapist, right? So you went to college and whatever training one goes to and became a psychotherapist. Yes, well, that was the last part of it mm -hmm. <laughs> before I switched and uh, realized I didn't need education anymore at that level. Yeah. I, I think uh, as a child, uh, I always was interested in people and um, what I was most interested in when I was, a, when I think I was a somewhat of three years old, I uh, went outside with my mother and I hold her hand and we bumped into the neighbor. And it was very strange to me. I remember it so, so vivid because my mother was fine. Her energy was fine. And on a deeper level, she felt totally happy, just like everyone feels on a different, on a deeper level. And uh, she began to speak with a, with a neighbor and suddenly they were talking about very sad things and difficult problems and it was so strange for me to see the difference between uh, what they were talking about and how they really felt on a deeper level hmm. and, so they felt that, happy but they were talking about sad things yes and huh. that was for me so strange that since then i think i was always investigating why do people uh, uh, do the things they do and why are they different in in how they express themselves and how they feel themselves and I, I read a, a lot I uh, therapied a lot as a hobby and well the end of the line was doing a, a, a psychotherapist education yeah and but you, I didn't you actually did it, it. you didn't finish it no I didn't finish it because in the last year I uh, well, so to speak, woke up and uh, I realized what I am doing is just uh, changing our programmation, programming. Our program, programming, and that is not that efficient as we think it is. And I found a more direct way to be happy. Yeah. I kind of went through a process like that a little bit myself, although I never went too far with the education, but I, I took some college courses in psychology and I, you know, I subscribed to Psychology Today magazine and I thought, you know, maybe I should be a psychologist because the mind is powerful and if you really understand the mind and then you're working on a subtle level and you're helping people and so on. But then when I kind of really understood the potential of meditation, I thought, forget that, I'm going to be a meditation teacher. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that's, then it's, uh, I think at the, at the mind level you can focus, but on meditation level uh, uh, you reach the level of intention. Yeah, and you, that's actually, different. you actually that's really go beyond the mind in a way. And, exactly. Uh, and kind of bring about some change from an even more fundamental level. Exactly, yeah. yes. But you do need the mind. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear a lot of people who say, oh, mind is is ugly and I want to get rid of it and I want to get rid of ego and well hey you can't <laughs> and they're, fa you need they're faculties 
Uh, I'm sorry? They're faculties. You know, you need yes. your, like, your, like your eyes and your... You yes, know, they're tools. Yeah, tools. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it says in your bio that you awoke into oneness. Uh, so what was that awakening like? How did it happen? Had you been, like, practicing spiritual techniques or working with a teacher or something? Or, or what happened? Yes, I don't uh, tell this uh, often because I think everybody walks a different path mm -hmm. and I don't want to uh, uh, to give it as a tool. But what I did do in the months before, I didn't eat meat, I didn't watch television, I was in the forest a lot and uh, I met uh, some spiritual teachers and uh well actually one and uh i read a book and one line really less resonated with me it was uh in the other you meet yourself mm -hmm. there was a line and i whatever it was but at that moment i suddenly saw the world in different colors more sharp colors i felt connected with everybody and i noticed that so uh, uh, so bright because I also felt this deep connection with people I normally uh, would walk around <laughs> and I didn't have any triggers anymore and uh, it was all gone and I thought what is this <laughs> it is not a psychosis <laughs> because I was so clear and what is it because I never heard of a spiritual awakening and the guy I thought he was a spiritual teacher, I didn't know what he was teaching. I just met him <laughs> somewhere as a, as a friend. Somebody in Holland? Yes. Yeah. Anybody well known or what? Uh, not really. And he asked me not to name his, to uh, mention his name. But, okay, sure. Um, I think it has, yeah, everything helped, I guess. Yeah. Yes. I don't think there's any danger of telling one's story like that because these days so many hundreds of people are having these experiences and telling these stories that it's very unlikely that someone's going to hear your story and say, oh, that's the way it has to be, you know, because they probably, yes, they probably heard a hundred other ones that, you know. That's and, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so, still, go ahead. I'm sorry. I still, again, watch television sometimes and eat meat sometimes again, mm -hmm. but now it's different. Yeah. It's like this old, old Zen uh, story, uh, after that, uh, a cloud is a cloud again. <laughs> right. First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so did this oneness experience fade away or did it stay with you? Um, the intensity of it. I think when I look back, uh, it did, I did went back into the, the well, ego shock uh, because I didn't was, uh, my heart opened, but my mind wasn't open yet. Mm. I, uh, no, I have to say it differently. Uh, I wasn't prepared to understand what was going on. I so I wanted to understand what was going on. And by wanting to understand, I was graving again. Craving. Yes, yeah, so if I would understand earlier what was going on, I was more prepared to uh, more abiding, awakening. Yeah. So do you now understand what was going on or what is going on? Yes. 
completely. So uh, after that awakening, I went to several teachers and watched uh, DVDs and mm -hmm. yes. And uh, but there was one after a few years after that, there was one uh, moment that it really. How do you say it? Grounded. Yes, there was. Uh, it was very strange. I was meditating in, mm -hmm. in the middle of my room and uh, I was very uh, enthusiastic about this whole new vision, but I never could explain it to other people. I, I, I couldn't find the words. It was just, I don't know. Um, and then I was meditating and I saw in the air a vision of both Ramana Maharshi and Papaji. Mm. And I saw these visions, and they will be, they were uh, uh, melting inside of me. Hmm. It was very strange, and from that moment on, I could speak. Wow! Very, very strange. I don't know what really happened, but you could explain things, and in other words, yes, yeah, and that's very interesting. Those guys are like hanging around doing stuff. I think <laughs> maybe <laughs> you, you keep hearing stories about that, like that, where people have an experience, particularly Ramana. Uh, will, will come to them and sometimes before they even know he exists or they've ever seen a book about him or anything they they see this Indian guy and they think hmm who's this and then later on they'll see his book or and oh, really? and they'll, oh that's the guy I saw so really? I don't know I don't know how that works but it seems yes to be I think I know how this works because uh, uh, Ramana is the archetype of the heart mm. the opening of the heart uh, where uh, uh, someone like Jesus is more uh, Archetype, archetype of wisdom. Hmm. He's the archetype of the heart. So I think when you, when uh, your focus, your intention is on opening of the heart, you meet Ramana Maharshi. Yeah, I think this his resonance is so strong about opening the heart. Hmm. So what is an? What do you understand an archetype to be? Uh, like a metaphor. Yeah. Like a. Uh, and I think my lack of English is... No, you're doing good. Bit of, bit of losing me, but... You're doing fine. Um, he is like the, the personalization of an open heart. Yeah. And so one thing that I find curious is... Um, I don't know if... Well, you, we can always skip over anything that I ask and if you don't feel like getting into it, but I find it fascinating that there's this sort of divine intelligence that would show us things like that, like your experience of Ramana and Papaji. It's like, mm -hmm. what, what are the mechanics of that? Uh, it, why are you being shown that? And who is showing you that? And, and, and how is it that once you had that experience and, and they sort of came into you, you were able to speak. It's um, it's interesting to me what what perhaps the the subtle mechanics are of such things happening. Do you, do you yes. have any any thoughts about that? Yes, I think uh, that's also the issue with uh, angels and reincarnation. Yeah, all, and that that stuff. Is, is, all that stuff. All uh, that stuff. It is, in my point of view, it's all about resonance. Mm -hmm. And I already knew Ramana and I already knew Papaji, so. Uh, the, the resonance they they were sending out were vibrating into something that resonates inside of me. So uh, the message is always the the layer of our own self that is that can communicate uh, beyond time and space 
can can make a connection on base of basis on resonance mm -hmm. and reach out to that what resonates and need to wake up inside of us yeah so so if we speak about Ramana and Papaji, or who Papaji is, is, Ramana is the open heart, Papaji is more the wisdom and the knowledge, mm -hmm. in my point of view. They need to come together inside of me before I could speak. So in that moment, it was some kind of uh, grace moment that I reached out, my resonance, the intention on a deeper level inside of me. So not on mind level, but on intention level, for mm -hmm. its soul level, I reached out to uh, as well as mind as as heart and they click together and yeah wrangled yeah. inside of me it's beautiful <laughs> yes. uh, it's really nice it's sometimes people speak of a download you know i've i've spoken with people who say well this such and such a being came to me a friend of mine once said who was it um i forget the being that came to her but it was um some buddhist Mm -hmm. from thousands of years ago, some ancient Buddhist thing, but it, that, that being came. And there, she felt like there was this download of knowledge. And um, she didn't know why or what exactly she was going to do with it or even if she was going to be able to use that immediately. But it was sort of like being added to her, her software, so, yes. so to yes. speak. And for, so what, for whatever reason, when the time was right, it would be used. Yes. Yes, I completely agree with that, but not exactly as a download. It's more uh, a connection, and if you if you can make this, we we are all people, right? <laughs> so we can make connection with with everything that resonates with our, well, say uh, blueprint. Yeah, that's better so than I, download. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot I cannot uh, reach out to knowledge of uh, uh, engineering. But I can reach my resonance to uh, inside of oneness because that's my blueprint. Yeah. So I can tune in into the knowledge database of Ramana. I can tune into you know, and I make a connection, and and then it's also uh, uh, accessible. Yeah. No, that's good. And you know, and other people in, in history, for instance, Einstein or great scientists would sometimes just get these. On, you know these inspirations. These they would somehow know something all of a sudden. Yes. Um, yes. The the guy who uh, discovered the benzene ring, which I forget what the significance of that was. He he had a dream of a snake holding, biting its own tail, uh, forming this ring, and suddenly he had this cognition of the uh, the benzene ring. Um, interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or there are you know obviously examples. Mozart they say would cognize yes. a whole symphony in a moment. Definitely. But then yes. take take time to write it out but it just came to him exactly uh, yeah i have a son and he's now seven years old and mm -hmm. he is really a very bright intelligent scientific based a little bit autistic uh, a guy and mm -hmm. he says things as you know mama uh, our body doesn't really exist there's only mind juice <laughs> and the, we see the body because we believe it is there <laughs> okay yeah I know your kids say great stuff I mean here's a quote from one of them he said mummy in my next life I don't want much stuff anymore it makes me restless <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah cool little kids <laughs> so we all download and all based on what their blueprint is he is a scientist I'm prepared to uh, uh, share one's insight so but I think 
it got slipped uh, tight. No, it slipped. How do you say it? Because we want to learn and we think how it how it is, and uh, we don't have a connection anymore to that. We, we don't lose, allow we it to come in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so what you're saying obviously is that you know you kind of regain that connection through these experiences, and it's just a cool point to dwell on for a minute that we just happen to stumble onto this point. But just that it seems like there's this ocean of wisdom and knowledge with different aspects of of knowledge in it, whether yes. whether musical or scientific or some spiritual truth or something, and according to our aptitude, according to how we're wired, uh, we tap in. We may tap into this. And, exactly. Um, yeah, yes. that's, that's what we've been discussing for the last few minutes. It's a, it's a neat idea. Yes, and so that is soul level, you know, mm -hmm. essence level, uh, a sp a spiritual body level, and the personal level, the physical level, the mind level, is the way we can uh, manifest it and express it into the world. Right. So are these levels are working together. And the personal level is uh, of service to the spiritual level. Yeah, <laughs> according to our particular aptitudes. Exactly. Yeah, great. So you mentioned that when you had this experience of awakening into oneness, you were gifted with the full understanding of the functioning of the human mind. That, yes. That's quite a statement. <laughs> How, yes, <laughs> you have to write something as a bio. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, more accurate is that were that there were uh, different uh, moments of which these bubbles of information mm -hmm. came into me. Mm. So uh, I I had an experience of uh, a bubble bubble of information. I couldn't speak for three days at all. Yes, at all. Because I couldn't translate it into my uh, human uh, consciousness. You couldn't speak about anything or you couldn't speak about that information? I couldn't speak about anything. I couldn't... Couldn't talk. Uh, no. Mm. I, was, I was too devastated about... Kind of blown away. Yes, blown away about this new information which I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't know what information came in. It was just a reprogramming bomb, yeah. you know. And I had different moments of these bubbles. Hmm. So, c could you give us some examples, for instance, of uh, w that bubble or one of these bubbles of information which would come in, and then after a while, you you became able to speak about them, and and yes. so speak about some of that now. Like, what are some of these things that came? I had to enroll it. Well, someday there was a woman who uh, 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 killed herself, mm -hmm. and I was somehow connected to her. We emailed a few times, and uh, when I heard that she died, I also got this bubble of information, and it was like I could travel along with her. Oh. And I was devastated because all my insights were blown away, and didn't uh, weren't true anymore mm. because you know what came after that was completely different i also believed in reincarnation and in you know and in one bubble it all was blown away mm. because she was gone she was completely gone dissolved back into to consciousness itself again mm -hmm. so there was no i anymore mm. none so ever and that was really 
a heavy uh, bubble. And it took me a few months to enroll this information and understand what it really meant. So you don't believe in reincarnation anymore? No, uh, because I see it now more as metaphors and I see uh, us as beings on three levels. We have more layers of ourselves, one personal, the personality level, physical level, essence level, soul level, uh, and pure consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I think soul level is uh, somehow connected to uh, this reality, connected to, to uh, the physical body. Mm -hmm. So, of which I can understand it now, I don't think, I don't know if over 10 years I see it exactly the same way, but it seems like uh, the, the I, the, the, the first moment of, of, of an I is soul related and related to conception, but it is a non-physical level and this non-physical level can go beyond time and space. So as long you are connected to the physical level, you can travel along this time and space. So I could now go with my non-physical body back into time and have a conversation with a living person then. And it seems like this, the soul of that people is coming to the now. Well, is that a theory or something you've actually done? Uh, it, is more, it is more than a theory because it's more an, an insight. Yeah, but is because it something you've experienced? Yes. There were periods that I, uh, there were uh, dead people next to me and I asked them questions or actually I was sitting behind my computer, my husband asked questions, I asked them to the people and I, I uh, wrote down the answer. Mm -hmm. And they were really connected to that, uh, to that people. So I could travel and, and resonate with that people. And uh, after that, someone else came and it was a far more really Advaita Vedanta kind of uh, uh, text, you know? Mm -hmm. And th this guy said to me something like, but you now are talking to part of yourself or something. <laughs> Because we are all the self. And then poof, I, I, I can't exactly, I, I don't even recall what he said exactly, but he disappeared. And how I perceive information now is not through, through dead people or whatever. It is, it is pure energy because I see energy, I feel energy. And I, I did that when I was from, when I was three years old. So, so all this, uh, uh, this, this communication between isn't needed anymore or something. Mm. Well, the whole thing about reincarnation, I mean, obviously some of the world's major religions have, mm -hmm. have that as part of their teaching, Hinduism and many aspects of Buddhism. And it does help to kind of explain some things. I mean, if we understand yes. the continuing evolution of the soul, uh, like if, if somebody dies and they're not in a very happy state, it would be nice to think that they can progress from there and, and that's not just the end of them.
But, and there's also a lot of, there have been a lot of studies and a lot of incidents of little kids who, you know, go to some village and they know everybody there and they know every, who they were in, in that village in a previous life and all that stuff. Yes. So I don't yes. know. It, and obviously there are also people who don't believe in it and who, who say that there are logical explanations for these things and that... Yes. And, and there are very spiritual people who say that there's no such thing that, yeah. you know, you just, when you form a life, it's like a bucket comes out of the ocean and that's your life. And then when the life is over, the bucket goes back into the ocean and there's no remnant anymore of, of that life. Yes. So I, I, have, are, I have my preferences on, on those positions, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> but I'm always aware, uh, I'm always uh, looking at the, the pitfalls of this kind of theories because... It is some kind of dualistic, me and some that guy that helps me, mm-hmm. me and my, my past life, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually there is, we are all, we are our neighbor, we are our dead grandmother, we are, so we can tune in into, from an energetic point of view, into everyone on the basis of what resonates inside of us now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is for the mind, it is, uh, and also for, on a therapeutic, therapeutic level, it is interesting to see this reincarnation as metaphors to heal inside of us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you can see it that way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one of my former teachers used to say the past is always a lesser developed state and so don't pay any attention to, to reincarnation. He, he, I mean, he, he regarded it as a real phenomenon, but he said, you know, don't bother with it. It's, it's, it's the past. It's this lesser developed state. You know, take it from here and move on. Don't, yes. don't, don't be trying to figure out who you were in some past life or anything no. like that. Yeah. No. I always, I always say that to people who have a traumatic, a traumatic youth or something. They always think that it will cure them when they go back into time and know what happened. And I say the world around us is uh, up-to-date projections of, of uh, how it is in our inside. So you have to, to look at your projections at this moment to see how you developed and what is still uh, needs attention, where you feel uh, resistance or anger or, you know, can, you could play it out in the three-dimensional world yeah and obviously bothering you inside obviously that's a little different than some of the things you learned when you were studying psychotherapy (laughs) yes (laughs) but very interesting the projections and how this works yeah yeah you were saying a few minutes ago like the, the body level the soul level and and maybe the universal consciousness level or something like that and um this is reminiscent of a discussion I had with Timothy Conway on this show um, who talks about he, he has a model for sort of three levels of non-dual reality and they're paradoxically different but they're simultaneously true and one is the obvious level of the world and it has problems and there are environmental issues and ethical things and all kinds of economic problems and all sorts of things that that you need that need to be dealt with and then there's the divine level where everything is perfect just as it is and there are no mistakes and then there's an even deeper level where nothing ever happened <laughs> you know it's just yes, exactly. to- totally unmanifest <laughs> and but his his point was that you know we don't we don't want to sort of 
take a stand in any one of these levels to the exclusion of the other ones. Each one is true, even though they're paradoxically different. So you may be experiencing that nothing ever happened. At the same time, you may be experiencing that everything is that things are happening and they're perfect just as they are. Yes. And, and at the very same time, you may be experiencing that, oh, there are problems in life. My, my kid has the flu and I need to take care of that. Um, exactly. And this one has the flu. That one doesn't have the flu. So you're distinguishing, you're making a dualistic distinction between this child and that child and yes. dealing with it a, a, appropriately. Exactly, yes, yes. And I experienced this, all these level, levels simultaneously. Yeah. So if you are waking up to this other levels, you don't have to suffer anymore. You can feel pain, but you don't have to suffer from the pain. Right. And uh, on the personal level, something is right or something is wrong for you. And on the assets level, and uh, you say ev not everything is is uh, good, but everything uh, uh, is the way it is because it's energetic logic. Yeah, it's the way it's it's the way it's supposed to be, and if it, because that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, and if it not, were supposed to even, be different, then it would be different. <laughs> I I think not even supposed to be. Mm. I don't think uh, uh, everything is uh, prepared or something. Right, but, not not but, predestined. No, predestined, no, but everything is energetic logic. Mm -hmm. So if you are, uh, 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 um, if you have a non-acceptance towards anger, for example, the outer world will mirror you angry, angry, anger. And so on a personal level, you meet someone in anger and you see, oh, that's wrong, that's difficult, that's a problem. And on this level, I say, that, well, that, that's logic mm. <laughs> because you suppressed anger. Now you have to face it in the outer world. <laughs> yeah. So using that example, you would say that if someone comes to you and let's say you have a boss at work who's very angry, um, are you saying that that's because you've suppressed anger, that he's getting angry at you? Uh, if he's getting angry at you mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you are scared, mm -hmm. yes, then uh, uh, two people resonated on each other. That's also the victim and perpetrator. Uh, that explains the victim and perpetrator. If, if I give if an extreme example so, uh, uh, and generalize it, so there's a woman who, uh, taught, who was taught not to be angry and be sweet and kind. And there's a guy who, who, uh, who learned, don't be a pussy, be a guy. Mm -hmm. And so the guy uh, suppresses his softness and the, and the girl suppresses her uh, power. Mm. And so they meet each other <laughs> and they resonate in each other. And he sees a part of him he doesn't like and he said, I want to do something mm. to you. And she uh, will become a victim, you know, and yeah. it's very, very confrontating if people would see this. Mm -hmm. And I think we are, uh, uh, because of that, we are all responsible for what's happening in the world right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> another way of putting what you just said, see if you agree with this, would you say that the whole condition of the world, everything that's going mm -hmm. on, is just um, kind of a reflection of the, the inner state of seven billion people who live here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
absolutely. So I say I make it. It is. It is. It is large. So I make it small again, and I say, look at your square mile and see what is coming to you, and take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. So you, by healing what you see in your world and don't accept it, you heal a part of our world. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the analogy that if if you want a forest to be green, you have to every single individual tree has to be green, you know. Yes. And yes. It, and it has to be to be green. It has to be healthy. It has to be connected with the soil and get proper nourishment and all that stuff and be a healthy tree. And then if you have enough of those, you you're gonna have a green forest. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And all people who want to change the world uh, uh, only think about changing his whole forest, and so they don't succeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because we we have to start inside, or they're they're out trying to change the world, but they're full of anger and you know judgment and yes. s- stuff like that, and obviously haven't really worked on themselves quite enough. Yes, and make it worse. Yeah, because they focus on that part. Yeah, and and I, I, I when you say a thing like that, when we say a thing like that, I think it's good to say in the same breath, don't hesitate to go change the world, you know, but just make sure that you're changing yourself at the same time, you know, working on yourself. Yes, and if you want to change the world, do it out of passion. Right. You know, everybody has, has uh, it's like in nature, every tree it starts with a seed, mm-hmm. and there's life energy goes t- uh, through it, and, and, or, or t- and it wants to express itself. So every, every creature, every plant, every animal, every human being, has, uh, is a seed, and that's our essence. And then this life energy goes through it, and we have a, we have a very strong urge to express ourselves and to grow further. Mm. And uh, and we all have a unique seed. So I I uh, I want to encourage people to do don't uh, to uh, not change the world because the world needs it, but change the world because we want to, because we love the world. Yeah, like an expression of ourselves, <laughs> and then that, it's very, very uh, more effective. <laughs> that's nice. I mean, I think what you're hinting at is the notion that we are the world, and that um, you know, well, there's so many examples of this. Things that Jesus said, for instance, you know, whatsoever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And there's that poem by John Donne: "No man is an island, you know, entire of mm. itself." And, Ask not for yes. whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. So, so there's the notion that, you know, anything that is happening in the world is happening to us. Exactly, yeah. yes. But all, only if it comes into your world. Right. So if it doesn't come into your world, it is, on a certain way, not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Then something else comes into your world, what is your responsibility? Yeah. Do you find, have you found in your own experience though, that your world has been expanding? So things come into it which might not have come into it in the past when your world was smaller? Uh, my world certainly changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, they changed uh, uh, very dramatically when I was uh, prepared to look at the things I didn't want to see. Mm. And for example, um, uh, I woke up one morning and I said, and now I'm prepared to face everything that I'm scared of. 
and I am prepared to follow everything that wants to come out of me. Mm-hmm. And I went into the forest, and uh, uh, and I had to choose between two paths. And one path was an art path, mm-hmm. and the other path was very dark. Mm. And I felt I had to go into the dark path. And uh, I bumped in a, a hundred or two hundred meters <laughs> along into a, a man with a black uh, uh, a suit and a capuchon. Uh, yes, right, like a monk hood. A monk's hood kind of thing? Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And I was very scared mm-hmm. because I, the moment I was prepared to face my, 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 my fear, I saw my fear in, yeah. in, in living body. And um, so I was too scared to face it. But the next day, I t- I'm now prepared to face it. And I went into the city and I saw this, this uh, big guy, two meter high, <laughs> one meter, with all these muscles and tattoos and uh, golden uh, uh, chains, you know. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and that was the moment that I realized, wow, you were all very soft and kind. Mm. And after that, I never uh, bumped into a, a dangerous man again, hmm. just in an instant that I was prepared and and apparently the theme was healed along the way yeah it was in an instant it was completely disappeared now I don't know about Holland but there are places in the United States where you wouldn't (laughs) want to walk at two in the morning you know around that area Um, there there could be some dangerous people there so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly whether what you mean is that your life just well, what do you mean? I mean, obviously, even in Holland, probably there are places you wouldn't want to go wandering around the streets in the middle of the night, and you'd run into some dangerous people. Yes, I would. My ego would think of that kind of idea if I wanted, if I would wanted to test if I was clean. Mm. But but I, on a deeper level, have no intention of testing or challenging or you know. I just walk my path in life. And uh, I didn't met it anymore. Yeah. I haven't met it anymore. Yeah, I, I understand that. So you're saying your, your life is more blessed. It's more, it's on it a more, is. it's a more kind of um, divine track. Um, or if we want to use that word. I, I, I am often very uh, amazed by uh, what I attract in life. But sometimes mm-hmm. I'm also challenged. Sure. Of course. And, uh, but I'm not scared to act. Uh, for example, half a year ago, I was uh, completely unexperienced. I, uh, the, the idea came into my mind, I have to buy a horse. <laughs> and, uh, and I stole a horse and he resonated very much. Uh, but I only had uh, three riding lessons at that time. But I knew I had to go there. And uh, I, we went into the, 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 the grassland and the horse was running and running and his tail up and, and suddenly he stopped. Were you walked. on the horse at that point? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> we were watching, the, watching because it was for sale. I see. And, and the horse suddenly stopped and he looked at me and he walked through me and it, he lays his head towards my head. Ah. And I thought, my God, I have to buy this horse. Nice. <laughs> so, and I was, I was scared and I was uh, um, surprised and, you know, 
and I did it. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy <laughs> for months because it 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 appeared to be a traumatized horse. Oh. <laughs> And I had to do something with it, mm -hmm. without any experience. You know, that kind of things. Everybody would say, you're crazy. You don't buy a horse or do riding lessons. Yeah. So I have my challenges. And Well, uh, now you're probably a pretty good rider, right? You've taken more lessons and you've been riding this horse? Not yet, because yeah. this, this horse had a broken tail, he had a back oh. horse. He had so he had to be trained and, and healed, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so I'm still healing him. Ah, well, that's great. That's that's really sweet. So you know, I also have my challenges because we want to grow. If we added three, there's there's a brace came out, but the next brace had to come out also, and your mind is, has to open, and you have to see more possibilities. I think you you, you mean branch, right? You mean branch, branch, yes, branch I, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we keep growing. Exactly. Yes. So until we die, we keep growing and we, we keep we keep being challenged by mm -hmm. life. And maybe after maybe after we die, but that's an, that's another conversation. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I happen to think it's never ending, but <clears throat> it is never ending. Ending, but for the eye, it is ending. Yeah. It's a, a philosophical <laughs> debate. From point. my point of view. Yeah, from your point of view, I. I also happen. I happen to think that even for the eye, it's never ending. Possibly, at least, it's not ending for a long time because there's so much, so many degrees of evolution that that, that um, can be reached. But yeah, it gets us into a metaphysical discussion. And, yeah. <laughs> so your book is divided up into four sections: um, yes. your relationship with yourself, your relationship with the other, your relationship with your physical body and the manifest. And your relation, oh, five sections, your relationship uh, and service to the field of unity. And then there was a section about traps, which I found interesting. And then a vision of the future. So would you like to kind of, we could have a discussion about, and kind of quickly run through these different areas and touch on some, some highlights that um, you'd like to tell people about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first section is relationship with yourself. Well, the relationship with yourself is uh, important because uh, the other is yourself. So first you need to understand who you are and how this mind functions, how, uh, uh, what is making you suffering mm -hmm. and how to stop that. <laughs> how to change, how to, yes, how to stop it, how to... Uh, uh, walk away from that ongoing, never-ending process of uh, uh, I'm a victim, or oh, I'm better than them, or you know. <laughs> yeah, judgmental, comparative types of thoughts. Exactly. And so, how how do people do that? By uh, understanding what the core of suffering is, and it is this loop of identifying ourselves with stories, with gender, with body, with success as we made. And all this identifying keeps us on the surface level of ego. Mm -hmm. So if we understand that we are the awareness that looks through our eyes, that hears through our ears, and it's not to be found if you want to reach it, 
then you can go uh, beyond this identifying loop and uh, comparison loop and uh, recognize that on this level, there's all, always peace. There's always silence and there's nothing that can be heard, nothing that can be um, yeah, heard or lost or, you know. Is it your experience that some people are much more gripped by that kind of identification than others? And yes. So for some people, it's fairly easy to just kind of get what you're saying here. Mm -hmm. But for other people, it, um, I don't know, I hear a phone ringing, it doesn't, it's not ours. Uh, but <laughs> the cell phone's in the car, I don't know where that's coming from. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting point yeah. of calling. <laughs> yeah, um, but for other people, it's, um, they're very deeply trapped by identification. And yes. so how would you personally help somebody who you feel is, you know, I mean, you, you've worked with a lot of people. How would you help them yes. come out of this grip of identification? Um, first, stop them because uh, if they are very trapped, they they talk a lot and they want to run away from me and what I have to say. Mm -hmm. So I say, stop. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you feel the chair under your under your uh, bottom? Do you, do you uh, see my eyes? Oh, oh, oh don't think anybody, anything about it. You know, I talk about it yeah. like this. Uh, okay, it, it, everything you think of right now is not interesting. Look at me. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, uh, would you challenge uh, to breathe me in? To really breathe me in? And not, not, don't think anything about it, but breathe me in. Let, let me in. Let me come, my whole energy, my whole being, may I come into you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is very difficult for people. And I, I never go so fast as, as this, but this is very difficult for people. Because then this whole uh, uh, mechanism of pr protecting themselves go into work. And uh, they say, uh, oh, it doesn't work. Or, oh, I feel resistance. Or, yeah. okay, that's all fine. Let the resistance be... It just it just takes uh, one second of bravery mm -hmm. to let happen what happens mm. if you breathe me in, <laughs> and if they are really brave, uh, they feel this this opening of heart. They feel uh, the rest come over them, and so it's a very uh, simple trick. Yeah. Do you to, have a lot? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, to uh, pull them. Uh, they pull themselves back into the now. That's nice. Do you find that a number of people kind of melt while, while you're working with them and start crying and you know things just start to be released? Yes, I yeah. see that and everybody sees it. The, eye, the eyes become uh, softer, brilliant, yeah, yes, brighter. softer. They, they, even the wrinkles, wrinkles disappear. Wrin wrinkles, yeah. wrinkles disappear. Uh, they are going to laugh or cry, or are completely signed. <laughs> nice. And Silent, then, um, yes. if you're working with somebody like that, and you have, you have a session, uh, and then you're not going to talk to them again for a week or a month, or however often you do these things, um, yes. what do you encourage them to do on a daily basis to try to develop, you know, to develop this further and, yeah. and stabilize it? 
Yeah, that's very different. I've given a lot of people uh, homework, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they need this, sometimes they need confrontation. There was a woman a few weeks ago, and I saw her again for the second time, and she was completely changed. Mm -hmm. And when I saw her the first time, it, she was so uh, uh, heavy in her energy, I had to stand uh, two meters uh, because my energy was flowing to her mm. and uh, she said to me you spoke to me 13 minutes and I'm completely changed I was so shocked by your uh, mm. behavior towards me I completely changed so I had to confront her uh -huh. that was enough to enroll a different process and some people I say um, uh, well your homework is not to be busy with your problems, but only look around you and see what resonates with you, what makes you happy, what makes you enthusiastic, what makes you uh, at ease and go towards that. Mm -hmm. And that are, that are people who, are, uh, who were busy for 30 years with therapy and uh, self-help books and I say stop, stop that. Now go living, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, I, I say different things, and and I made made them up in the moment. Yeah, you're kind of working intuitively. Um, yes. I mean, your whole book is actually based on some kind of online course, isn't it? That people can take and they go through various lessons or stages of the course. Yes, that's very nice. Uh, all the chapters uh, there are sixty days mm -hmm. of online course, and every day you get you get an exercise. Yeah. Uh, you have to do in your daily life. Mm -hmm. So uh, I send you out on the streets to the city and let you sit on the couch and experience some things. And I, I uh, let you take a mirror. And, you know, every day it gives an exercise. And uh, there's a form. You can ask questions to me. I will answer them. And um, the nicest thing of this course is uh, after, uh, uh, well, somewhere about day 43, people say, whoa, the world looks very different. It's almost spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so in lesson 43, they flip. Ah, interesting. And then they have, uh, yes, a grounded uh, knowing of how human being is functioning. And then they can flip. Great. Yeah. Something special about Lesson 43. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, a question came in from mm -hmm. uh, Dan in London. Mm -hmm. He asks, um, do you have any advice for bringing children up in a spiritual and heart-based way? Uh, you seem eminently qualified to answer this. Yeah, beautiful question. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm so fond of children. I have four. Yeah. And How old are your children? Uh, six, seven, fourteen, and fifteen years old. Ah. And do you Two mind my asking how old you are now, or would you rather not say? I'm forty years old. Forty. Okay. Yes. What I found most important to teach children is to uh, point them uh, to their own yeses and noes, so they feel their inner uh, intuitive guidance mm -hmm. system. So I don't want to uh, uh, teach them my yeses and no's, and you have to do it that way. 
uh, but I want you to feel your yes and no. So if you go to a party, I want you to be able to say no or to say yes and feel your guidance. That's one thing. And uh, the other thing is uh, I want the children to keep an open mind because an open mind is most important to growth and manifestation. Mm -hmm. Because if we tunnel our vision, we can only create this. Although our essence wants to, the, in, the intention of our essence uh, uh, direct to that way. So then that we have a gap and that's a difficult pack, uh, gap and then we suffer if our heart wants to go that and our mind says that. So I always say to my children, this is a possibility, but uh, can you come up with another possibility? Because everything is possible. <laughs> So I think that's the most important thing to teach and of course be an example. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's yes. very important. <laughs> because we, we cannot uh, say and, and tell by words uh, how it works, but we show them how it works. Yeah. And, then, and, and, and if you say something different than you, than, you, than you are, they're going to be confused. Absolutely. How, uh, how old were you when you first had this awakening? I don't remember. <laughs> like 10 years ago or something? Or? Yes, something like that. But yeah. when I look back, I think I never lost the connection. You mean your whole life? Yes. Yeah, but somehow it became more conscious when you had that experience. Yes, yes. Yeah. So your kids, some of your kids weren't born then, and some of your kids were really young. and. Exactly. Um, so how are they doing? And, I mean, you know, in terms of their their lives, their school, their behavior, their all that stuff. Are, are they yes. ha growing up with such a spiritual mother? How what effect is it having on them? Well, that's very that's very nice question. Um, they are what I found uh, typical to my uh, of my children is that they uh, they don't do things they don't want to make friends. So they have very mm -hmm. few friends because mm -hmm. they think it's very important to choose the right friends who resonate. And I think they're very self-conscious, but they don't always like me because if I see a mask, ego mask, I always point at it. Mm. And they, they become angry because they feel trapped. Yeah. Uh, my eldest son is also very scientific. And he said, you and your spirituality. <laughs> but, but I... And he's very down to earth, but, but he sharply listens when I explain things. Mm. And well, I think in my explanation, I'm also a little bit down to earth and scientific, so there is overlap. Yeah. And the youngest children who were conceived after this awakening mm -hmm. are really different. Mm. Uh, the youngest, for example, is always conscious of the steps she takes, the, the things she does. Also of her manipulation. And she's like three or something, right? Or she's now six years old. Six, six, yeah. And I, I saw that she was strongly rooted into her essence. And when someone uh, crossed her path, and she was one and a half years old, she became angry and she said, oh, hmm. that was very, very interesting for me yeah. because she was a very 
lovely, like an angel, some kind of a child, you know? And he mm. said, Oh. Interesting. Yes. And now I see that she is conscious about everything. She hears everything, she sees everything. And also, what I said in her manipulation, she knows she manipulates. She knows it's a trick. Mm. And she knows also who she is. And I see that a lot of people who manipulate, who aren't aware of their manipulation and think they are the manipulation, manipulated figure. Mm. And she knows. <laughs> That's so that's interesting. Yeah, see, this is a good argument for reincarnation. Where do these evolved kids come from, you know? These souls that come <laughs> in and they're so so enlightened. and uh, That's they why they, they really are different than the, the, than the elders, because my resonation, I, I attracted, uh, you Those know... Those types it of is, souls, yeah. yeah. But they are a creation of, of an electric and a magnetic energy mm -hmm. who came each other you can say yes you attracted the soul but you can also say you created the soul you could i it's, don't know yeah it's one of those things I, I sometimes think that you know maybe a few hundred years from now if this is if we all keep if if spirituality keeps going the way it's going there will be like a merging of science and spirituality and yes. we'll, we'll have a much clearer understanding of how it all works so all these questions that are kind of yes. philosophical arguments right now might have actually been worked out and verified into everyone's mutual agreement yes but I always found strange it has that is uh, I think hundred years ago how many people were there on earth <laughs> a lot fewer a lot fewer so where did all those souls come from <laughs> Well, there's different explanations from that for that. Um, you know that they're waiting in the wings, so to speak, or that they've evolved up from animal species. And you know, if you buy into the whole reincarnation theory, there's ways of explaining. It. Mm. And besides, this is just one little tiny planet out of trillions of planets. So you know, maybe there's been a migration yes. or something. <laughs> I think that the human mind cannot uh, see through the, the the complete truth. We are not. I think we are not. Uh, uh, we're not, capable, not, uh, or, capable of yeah. seeing because we are in a linear reality yeah. and we want to explain things linear yeah. but on a different level things aren't linear well even in your own experience you have had a pretty clear taste of non-linear reality right yes and mm -hmm. yet you're pretty good at explaining non-linear reality in linear terms to yes you know so it's a it's like you become a translator so to speak exactly i'm a translator yes yeah. when i had to when i had to, had to make a cross in your list translator wasn't there yeah but yes i'm definitely a translator yeah Yes. And incidentally, regarding your scientific 15-year-old son, I was thinking as you were saying that about Bernardo Kastrup, who lives in Amsterdam, and um, I've interviewed him twice, and he's a wonderful guy, and one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, and very scientific, and he's some kind of computer genius, and you know, but at the same time, um, very spiritual and really deep insight to reality. So. When sometime your son ought to take a little trip up to Amsterdam and have lunch with Bernardo, and he'll he'll get a nice taste ah. of how spiritual people can be scientific. And oh wow! And vice I will versa. look him up. Yeah, he's on That's my nice. he's on my site a couple of times. Ah, great, I will look him up. That's great, nice. Great guy. <laughs> um, so uh, 
let's get back to your book a little bit. So we talked about the first bit, which was reincarnation, and we won't have a chance to talk for 10 minutes about every single chapter, but um, from the first section still, your, your relationship with yourself, what yes. are some things that you, know, you feel like you want to discuss? Well, maybe emotions, because mm -hmm. that's a very hard uh, subject for most people. And in chapter 6, I describe uh, the way we uh, deal with emotions. Huh? We, we suppress them or act them out. And uh, I also made a training about uh, uh, looking different to emotions. And when I put it on Facebook, uh, uh, the first reactions were, oh, I want to get rid of them. Get rid of emotions? Can you give me a tool? Yeah. Oh. Can, you get rid, can you give me a trick to get rid of them? Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works, of course, but because there are billions of guidance. But if we don't like them, we suppress them or egg them out. Yeah. And I say there's a different way. Let them through your channels and conduct uh, uh, emotion as they are moving energy. So if you can uh, observe emotion like moving energy flowing through you you aren't the emotion mm -hmm. they say i am angry i am sad but you aren't emotion <laughs> you can be aware of emotion so and that that distinction uh, people don't really see they are mad they are emotion but if you see that you can go it uh, through you and you, you can stay in this peaceful state of mind and emotions dissolve yeah. And in that previous example you gave where people are all caught up and distracted and you said, you know, feel yourself sitting on your chair, you know, feel your breath, feel, tune mm -hmm. into me, look at my eyes, that kind of thing. In a similar way with emotions, would you say that there's usually, if not always, a physical counterpart to any emotion and it might be a good idea to tune into that? Uh, yes, but the pitfall is that then they go into the center of the emotion and feel like they are the emotion. And then you com come into an emotional storm mm. because uh, people associate on emotions. When I'm scared, I think, oh, maybe that's going to happen. Right. And I say you have to leave the story behind and just feel raw emotion as it is energy and, and doesn't have a name mm -hmm. or a story. Well, let's say you're scared and, you know, there's a whole story with you're being scared. So yes. Such and such is going to happen. But if you tune into your body, maybe you feel some kind of sensation in your solar plexus or something. And, and, you, uh, and you can just allow your attention to dwell on that sensation yes. and not go running off on the story. Would, would, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. But, well, the same pitfall. And and uh, fear is a, is. I, I'm now writing on an uh, emotion encyclopedia, and fear is the most difficult emotion group because uh, it is the group which makes something dualistic. Mm -hmm. There's something in the outer world which uh, can harm me. Yeah. So what's needed if you are uh, you are experiencing some kind of emotion related to fear, mm -hmm. you have to get the insight of uh, all creation is coming because I send it out some energy. Mm. So I have to become uh, centered again. Yeah. And I, I know that I only attract things I want to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. 
you know? It might interest you to know when you said the fear is dualistic, there's actually a line in the Upanishads which says, certainly all fear is born of duality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Category fear is about duality. Mm -hmm. So the cure of fear is oneness. Right, right. And there are, there are seven other emotion groups which have different uh, messages. Fear is very difficult. Hmm. So you're writing a yes. whole encyclopedia about this, huh? Yes. It's very nice. <laughs> it must be a big project. It is a big project, yes. I'm working on it for one and a half year. Wow. <laughs> Great. So um, those who are listening, we have like about 166 people right now listening live. Feel free to send in nice. questions if you want. And uh, the way you send in questions is you go to the upcoming interviews page on batgap.com and then down at the bottom there's a form and you can p submit a question through that form and it will come to me. Okay, so anything more in the first chapter that you really want to touch on, or should we go back to the second chapter, your relationship? Yes, the most, there's one thing that's very important mm -hmm. in the first uh, uh, part of the book, mm -hmm. and that is that we have a choice. A choice, yeah. A choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the non-duality uh, scene, let me uh, say back that, uh, they always say, oh, you don't have free will. Yeah. And I explain explicitly say you have a choice mm -hmm. and the choice is uh, uh, do you go do you let yourself being catched by this thought or do you remain uh, in the present moment yeah so that choice is very important and maybe that's the only choice you've got that's the choice we have and that's the choice we have between suffering and happiness that's really good I'm, I'm with you on that that we you know, this whole free will thing, it, it's, it sometimes sounds like, it's sometimes actually used to excuse inexcusable behavior, you know. Oh, I, exactly. I, I don't have any free will, and the devil made me do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and a cool yes. thing about what you just said is, this, you know, catching the thought before it becomes an action. Yes. You know, it's like, this is a, a rough example, but and obviously you couldn't really do this, but let's say you could change the course of a river. And if you try to do it way down near the mouth of the river, let's say the Ganges, you try to do it down in, in uh, you know, Cal Calcutta, it's, the, the whole river has already run its course and it has so much force you can't change it. Or maybe you go halfway upstream and and there you could it would be easier to change the river, at least you could change some of it. But if you could get right back up to the source of it, you know, then perhaps, I mean, you couldn't really do this, it's just an example, but you, perhaps you could, you know, it's just a little tiny stream there and you could send it all off in a different direction. So it's like if you could get back down to the source of where your thoughts come and catch them there before they have already exactly. reached a great momentum, then with just a little bit of intention, the whole thing could be sent off in a different direction. Exactly. Beautiful metaphor. Exactly. So that, that is the choice between happiness and suffering. Absolutely. So you have, but you have to be awake to choose. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the hard, may, people asking me, how do I, be, how do I wake up? You can't. <laughs> that's the moment of grace. But if you are awake, you can choose. Yeah. And I think, you know, and it's grace, but, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And exactly, um, yes. I think that, you can do things, and you, you're offering a whole lot of things you can do to increase the likelihood of waking up. Yes, that's true. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested, then I think there's an intention inside of you who wants to wake up. Yeah, that's the big step right there. Exactly. Anybody who's listening to this show is interested. Exactly. <laughs> so that all they're all potentially wake up. Uh, yes. Yeah. Wake uppers. No, you don't say it like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, we understand. Um, <laughs> good. So um, your next chapter is your relationship with the other. Let's talk a yes. little bit about some of those points. Yes, if we go into the other, we go into duality. So it's duality in basis. If you put something else into, in, into your life, a partner or uh, a mother or a child or a neighbor. So and uh, people uh, under, under find a lot of trouble in a relationship to other people because then projection comes in. And we see that what we don't accept inside of us, we see re projected into the relationship with the other. So there it becomes more difficult even. And I always say, I don't know if that's in the book, but I always say, uh, please judge, but know that judgment is about you. Mm. Because otherwise you judge and you say, oh, I don't, I, I may not judge. And it becomes more complex. Mm. So if you allow yourself to consciously judge, you know exactly where you judge yourself. <laughs> and that's always how I look at people who judge me uh, and I feel, ah, oh, you also judge yourself so hard. <laughs> yeah, I know that you uh, have read a little Byron Katie and, and one of her things, one of the steps in her thing is to go ahead and judge and you know, be as judgmental as you want to be. It, yes. It's not the final step, but it's something you're allowed to do. Yes, because it is, a, it is an interesting uh, step because there are, there are few people who, who instantly awake, awaken and uh, a lot of people are very uh, uh, tied in their ego patterns. So if you use your outer world, uh, the other, your relationships to see uh, where, in, where, in which patterns you uh, uh, keep yourself asleep. Mm -hmm. You, if you, uh, if you get the insight in how you keep yourself uh, tight, then it becomes open, and there becomes uh, 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 openings in the grid. And the more it opens, the more consciousness can shine through. Mm -hmm. And there's, you can, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a transformation in that. So for a lot of people it is a transformation with a switch point. And this switch point is very difficult for people because then they are conscious of themselves, of the way they uh, consciousness wants to express that it, itself through them. And they are awake of their uh, belief system who holds them back. So they cannot ignore themselves anymore. But they are fighting towards their own, own uh, belief system. So that's a very difficult point. So what do you do to help such people? Uh, at that point, I would give people a comfort mm -hmm. and uh, reinsurance and motivation. And maybe uh, an insight in the future and how it can be. Yeah, kind of a vision of possibilities, so to speak. Yes, so they, they, they go over that bump of comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay, what else from this chapter, your relationship with the other? 
I don't have this book. Oh, I, I'll read you my, some of the things. Uh, reflections, okay. control, playing roles, dismantling roles, story versus script, the, vic yes. the victim role, our shadow, judgments, partnership, desires, inequality, conflicts, unwritten rules, the we energy, breaking taboos, and the male and the female. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, roles are very important parts. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I describe in the book the, the, the difference between uh, a role and uh, a story and a scene, for example. And what is a role? Uh, uh, a role is uh, like you, I see that a lot with women, for example, they, they call a friend, like my mother did when I was three years old, they call a friend and they tell their sad story. So they have a very uh, strong identity of being a pity. Yeah. Oh, yes? poor, poor me. Yeah. Yes, a poor me story. Right. So they really suppress their happiness by uh, continuously uh, uh, indulging. Yes, this this poor me mm -hmm. role they play. Right. And they 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 got comfort, of course, when they were little, and they they still hold this pattern very mm. tight. So we have to get rid of that role <laughs> and be honest. And that's what it's all about. Be honest uh, to the to the uh, real living energy in this present moment. That's what what it's all about. Being honest to that, yes, energy. Yeah, you you mentioned in in the playing roles section of your book that about the ego trying to control life, um, and and one's companions by playing roles. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you say a role is what you do. What you are is yourself. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. A role is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is a nice uh, anecdote. I, my husband, mm -hmm. who is a very uh, a gentle, uh, helpful man, uh, went away for a weekend, and everything was fine. It was nice to have the house for myself for a weekend. And when he came home, I was very excited. I comes home. And the moment he lay foot in the house, I felt sad. And it was so strange. Mm. And I thought, what's going on? I was happy that he, that he, that he would, came home, would come home. And then I realized, realized that he was the, the, the humble knight. Mm. And I was the, uh, the lady. And he uh, came to rescue me when uh -huh. I was sad. You know, and I then then I played this role, and I wasn't aware of it. Hmm. So with this insight, it's so you mean these were like roles you actually had been playing for a long time, and and you yes. kind of realized it when he went away for a weekend. Exactly, <clears throat> and this is what 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 you you see a lot in relationships. Yeah, and the humble knight and the and the poor uh, lady. <laughs> right, the damsel in distress. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Um, so and parent-children, you see that also, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no I'm sorry. Uh, so you're, you're implying actually here that our roles are very likely unconscious. We don't even know we're playing them. Exactly, and by writing it and pointing you at it, it can come conscious. Yeah, so again, how, how can it become conscious? By writing it, did you say? No, I wrote it, so oh, wrote I it. point people at, <clears throat> at the possibility of what they do isn't exactly who they are, but what they do. Yeah. To get something, attention, recognition, uh, uh, certainty, we play, we act.
to get that or attention from the other uh, mm -hmm. gender. <laughs> I guess one way of thinking about roles is like, you know, professional actors in movies and plays, they're, mm -hmm. they're playing something who, that they aren't really, you know. Yes. Like, last night we watched Tootsie, you know, with Dustin Hoffman. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, and he, he played a woman. And obviously when we go to, to plays or movies, we, we know that they're just actors. But I, a practical question would be, how can you help people to be, become aware of roles that they're playing that they're not even conscious they're playing, and thereby yes. to stop playing them? Exactly. If you if you say about Tutsi and he plays a woman and he is a man, he could if he played his role a, a few months after an end, he could think he is a woman. Right. So then he he isn't conscious anymore of playing. His, so so this is how it works. But uh, how can they become conscious? That is by uh, looking at their reflections. And I hope there are a lot of people who are honest. So if if a, if a, if a, a friend of mine puts uh, uh, is on the phone telling a sad story and it doesn't feel it doesn't match their their energy, I would say I'm sorry, but this isn't true what you're saying. I, I can't listen to it. Yeah. And you feel that, and you can see if people don't want to listen to you. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to watch your your, your reflections. How does someone react, and how does that make you feel? And uh, how does that make how does it make you feel? Is your you don't have to look at all projections because you become crazy if you look at all this millions projections. But you have to look at the projections who uh, give you a cramp. Yeah. <laughs> and you cannot uh, make things conscious, but your unconscious, pure soul, is making it conscious for you mm -hmm. by, and that's just analytic logic, that what is uh, most, uh, what has most priority for you, what is most surpassing you from being you, is uh, reflected at most uh, harsh in the outer world. So we, 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 we get problems with our outer worlds, outer worlds, uh, and the themes are the, have the most priority. Oof. Does that make sense? No, I understand what you're saying. Um, so just to make sure I do understand, um, you're saying that, I mean, sometimes people say, well, the world is your guru, you know? And exactly. So the world, things aren't just happening arbitrarily. They're, they're, there's a significance to things that happen in your life. It's trying to teach you something. And, yes. um, you know, and it's probably trying to teach you the things that you're unconscious of. Yes, I don't like the word teach because then it becomes a lesson and, yeah. and hard work. Oh, well, we and can find fix. a better word. Yes, it is bringing, bringing your attention or bring, making you aware of something that you weren't aware of. Is that a better yes, way? It is just uh, the, the path is always towards yourself, mm -hmm. always towards yourself. So if there's something uh, that withholds you from being yourself, then you get. Uh, a bumping of energies. Yeah. So there is an intention you want to express yourself, but there is a belief, uh, uh, and if the belief uh, bumps into your intention and doesn't align with each other, then you get a cramp. Mm -hmm. And this cramp you have to investigate because then 
your beliefs are not in line with your intentions. So yeah. your mind is not in line with your heart. And we want them in line because mind is the surface of soul. Do you mean an actual literal cramp or how would people experience this cramp that you're referring to? Yes, as resistance, as, uh, oh, that's, that's not nice. Oh, I become angry or frustrated or, or uh, yes. Yeah. Judgmental. Okay. Speaking of angry and frustrated, uh, the previous question that came in from a, from a listener was about raising children. And yes. um, here's another one about raising children, more personal to you. It's, it's from Ria in Groningen, Netherlands, uh, who asks, bringing up children can be hard. Did you ever lose your temper with your children? Or, or <laughs> we might ask, do you still? Do you still? Uh, I used to a lot because I'm a very passionate woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I sometimes do. But there's a difference now, because uh, um, yesterday, for example, I became angry, but I didn't lose my temper. I was fully aware of being angry, and it was needed at that time, because we needed, uh, we needed structure at that point. And sometimes I have anger, the emotion group anger, um, uh, centers you back into yourselves and giving you strength to to get uh, uh, not control uh, guidance again mm. you know so i had to be the leader at that time that's, so you that's had to be assertive you had to be firm yes yeah i had to be so everyone was going other directions and i need to be angry so i could center all family members yeah you know here, come here, come here. And that's what angriness does inside of us also, because uh, before you became angry, you gave your energy away. You let someone else took you to there if you wanted to go that, that way. And so angerness uh, gets your energy back and centers again. Mm -hmm. And it focuses you and helps you manifest things into a uh, physical world. Yeah. There's a phrase, blind anger, you know, and, yes, and it, exactly. it, it's, people become angry and they just kind of totally lose all self-awareness. And, and yes. so, sometimes they do terrible things, commit crimes and so on. But what you're saying is that this, the kind of anger you experienced yesterday, there was no loss of self-awareness. No. It was more like a, a necessary tool of behavior to deal with a particular situation. But exactly. it, yeah. If I speak 15 years from now, uh, in the past, I could lose my temper and be blind mad. Mm -hmm. And uh, what helped me then mm -hmm. uh, was accepting that I lost my temper once in a while. Yeah, admitting it. Admitting, yes, and accepting. Right. The most, most important thing was accepting that I lost my temper once in a while. Yeah. And, and thereby, 80% of it dissolved. Uh-huh. Good. Yes, um, but if you if you are conscious of it and then accept it and act it out, that's a different story. Say it again. If you are conscious of your uh, madness and accept it and let and as a uh, as a recognition to no, that's the wrong word, to act it out. Express it. Yes. Yeah. Then that's a different different different. Uh, so my daughter of one and a half years, she said, "Ho." Oh, 
Yeah. But she never hurted someone else. Right. And she just used this anger to set her boundaries. Boundaries, right. Get out of my way because mm -hmm. I'm on my path. I respect it. Yeah. That's very different than wanting to harm someone else because the other one as a projection of you is painful. Yeah. There's quite a few stories of various gurus living and dead who would get quite angry with disciples and um, you know presuming that they were really enlightened beings and who were doing the right thing then you know I, I guess the understanding would be that it was an appropriate expression and that it was done with love and that it was helping the people not yes. they weren't hurting them they had no desire to hurt them they only wanted to help them but you know so the, the, there's a saying in english tough love uh mm -hmm. so you know so maybe it was a form of tough love yes yes i sometimes have it with, have it with people that i want to bang my foot on the ground and that really is important that you you understand this yeah and you cannot let this go away anymore. Right. You have to stand to up for it. Emphatic. Yes. That's the yes. word. Yes. Yeah. And those are the moments that I really become angry with someone next to me because there are uh, beautiful and important uh, uh, characters in the play. Mm -hmm. You have to take responsibility for it. You know? <laughs> That's when I can become angry, yes. Good. But never lose my temper and harm them. That's a very different state of, uh, yes, yeah. emotion. It's almost like, in a way, it's the same emotion, but in a kind of an ignorant expression of it, or a, a distorted or warped expression of it. But Yes. Yeah. Well, this Anger kind of is a very, it's a very uh, important uh, motor to... Uh, uh, to push things in manifest and to it is a very important moment so if you don't acknowledge that you have anger that you have passion you have strength you get this all this spiritual people never get something off the ground yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean here's a question that i think is an important one it came in from amanda in tampa florida she asks, um, can you talk about evolving from intense feelings of suffering? And yes. the reason I think this is important is, you know, there have been some people I've interviewed who have gone through incredible suffering, really terrible st stuff. And also, I, we often hear from people who are going through really tough things. And uh, so, let me just repeat the question and have you say something. Can you talk about evolving from intense feelings of suffering? Yes. By hearing those words, I feel uh, how strongly the suffering is, and I feel for all those people who feel this. Um, if I tune in into that state, I want you to know that there are all voices uh, of uh, don't like life, uh, feeling bad, but there is a small voice that said, that says, and please search for this voice that says, I don't want to harm myself. And this is the voice to the light. Because people who suffer do that to themselves by saying, I'm a failure and, and uh, life wasn't good for me. And uh, we, we uh, 
build up all those stories. We let them take us. But there is one voice that wants to live and wants to be happy. And but with a lot of people who are suffering, this, this voice completely is shut down by other voices who say, but I can't, <laughs> you know? But this pure voice that says, I want to be happy, that you have to follow. I hope you understand that over this voice, to, to shut down this voice, there are all those other voices and you have to be strong and don't get yourself into that. You mm. have to focus on the, on the little flame here and how dark life seems, search around you for light. And I mean light in the little bird on the branch. The, the, the joy in the eyes of a child. And then there's another other voice again that says, I want to be as the child. Don't go into that voice, but stay, look at the beauty of the eyes of the child hmm. and, and let yourself be touched by the eye. And it's a, it, it needs vigilance. And it needs uh, an intense vigilance to say no to all this dark voices but there is one little line of light i feel it at, uh, by the by the woman who asked me there is one little line of light that she has to follow that's nice i, I really like that answer and mm -hmm. and amanda you know if you feel like asking a follow-up question about that feel free um we probably have half an hour left in in the interview so get it in you know as soon as you can if you have a follow-up question and obviously we could get into talking about all, some of the kinds of suffering people undergo, you know, various types of abuse and people, yeah. people who've been in the military and are, have what they call post-traumatic stress disorder from the stress of, the, of fighting and all yes. kinds of things. But you know, probably you would say the same advice, right? That little voice of... Well, there is, there is a difference mm -hmm. between uh, pain in the moment mm -hmm. eh, by being beaten or... Uh, you know, physical pain and uh, uh, become, if someone says something very uh, hurtful. Uh, hurtful things, it, it, it hurts in that moment. Mm -hmm. But most people suffer, and that's a whole lot more, more difficult, afterwards right. it has happened or before it will happen, maybe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it may go so, on for years. Yes, exactly. So, so this, if your physical body or your emotional body or is in danger, you have to uh, help it. So you have to uh, save yourself from a dangerous situation. That's one thing and the most important thing. Mm -hmm. We cannot all uh, solve it by saying no to stories. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I'm talking now about, about suffering of all the voices inside of he our yeah. head. Uh, with post-traumatic stress, there's something else going on. Because uh, uh, when something is too hurtful, we, uh, we manage to protect ourselves with some kind of mechanism. And if you're in that kind of mechanism, you have to be prepared to feel underneath. But not if you are still in the dangerous situation. Right. If you first make that you are safe. And then you have to slowly feel, because if you're in a protection mechanism, you cannot do anything. 
And with post-traumatic stress, uh, the thing is, in nature, uh, there are no traumas because uh, at the moment of the, the, the traumatic situation, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's a flight or, or a fight mechanism. And we, if we survive in nature, the, the, uh, like if you are a mouse, the, the body is shaking like this. Yeah. So by shaking it, it is regulating, regulating the energy system. Mm -hmm. And people don't do that. Right. So if we are in a war situation, we, we, aren't, we weren't able to heal our, and, and balance our energy system. But we have to go into that again and again and again. And we only could do that because we ignored, 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 ignored ourselves. Mm. So the first thing is never ignore yourself again. Yeah. And uh, if you are suffering from a trauma, look into the outer world in which you see mirrored little parts of the theme. So you yourself are very brilliant in attracting situations in a way that you can handle them. I don't like therapies that said, okay, come on, we're going to hypnosis, we go back to the war zone. Mm. I like to, to keep everything in the here and now. So look around you and uh, maybe you are scared that someone else is walking in the streets and would harm you, maybe. Then that's your point of focus at this point. How realistic is it? Are you prepared? Are you, are you brave? and uh, go maybe together with me into the streets and look what's going on. Mm. You know, build it up a little bit. And uh, also here it is very important that you know how mind works and how creation works and how oneness and duality works. I was reminded as you're speaking of a story Eckhart Tolle told where he saw a couple of ducks that got into a fight, you know, and then the fight stopped and the ducks sort of shook themselves off and exactly. then and then they went just back to being ducks you know like like nothing ever happened <laughs> exactly horses do that also and dogs they will shake up and it's okay yeah and uh, michael moore's latest movie is uh, called i think um where should we invade next and he, he went around to some european countries and saw how they did things over there and one was i think norway or denmark and he, he went into the prison system there and the you know the whole system is set up like a almost like a re resort where everybody's really comfortable and they have really good food and they have television they have internet they have you know exercise everything is like is a beautiful setting and they have tremendous results in terms of not you know no low recidivism rate and and the people really actually changing so you know rather than put them in a harsh environment as a form of punishment, it's more like it's true rehabilitation where they put them in a, mm. in a healing environment and help them heal. Beautiful. From, yeah. Beautiful. I saw that with my traumatized horse. Mm -hmm. He would beat me if I approached him. Mm -hmm. And he was very angry and, and all people were, were, were very uh, hard to him all his life. Yeah. And he, uh, I saw the, the instant difference when I approached him with a totally open heart and, and love. 
Nice. And you, yes, you saw him relax. And, and it's also with children, it's, it's the same thing, of course. If it was so hard and uh, to them, they, they, they build a fence around them. Yeah. yeah. And loving is, it isn't, uh, oh, I will be your slave. <laughs> you can do anything. That's something different. Huh? Right. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie The Horse Whisperer with Robert Redford? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Great yes. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Some more questions are coming in, and I'll be reading them to you in a minute. But uh, let's go on to the third section of your book, the, your relationship with your physical body and the manifest. And yes. so, some of the subsections there are the spiral of consciousness, the physical body, food, sickness, and physical handicaps, money, Mother Earth, um, you yes. know, things like that. Uh, what would you like to say about those points? What I'd like to say about that is we are in a human vehicle which contains a mental, the mental body, mm -hmm. the emotional body, and the physical body. So uh, some are very... Uh, uh, evolved on the uh, emotional or mentally, but forget, forget the body. Mm. So uh, we become out of balance. There has to be conscious about that level also. And of course, uh, the, the physical body and the physical life around us is the last state of creation. And so there's intention, there's, there's mind, uh, energy, and there's manifestation into physical world. So uh, yes, it, I found it important to focus you on what was before and how you are attached to all the yeah physical components like money and uh, uh, things and you know. Mm -hmm. I uh, ten years or so we uh, suffered from a bankruptcy mm. and uh, we had nothing anymore and I sold all the things uh, of value in my house and I couldn't go to the city for two years and I and it was a very 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 interesting period I had to go to the to the uh, secondhand stores and couldn't buy anything anymore if I go to to visit friends you know and it totally detached me from the value of and the identification around things and a lot of people have a lot of identification with identification with things. Yeah. And and once I went to a family party and my uh, two uh, stepsisters bought a new iPod and a new iPad, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I looked at them and I, I and I looked at the things and I really liked it. And once in in one second I felt it this this craving towards that. And I immediately realized how I become relaxed and calm because I didn't have the craving anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it was a complete freedom from physical detachment. And now maybe you have some things again, and, but without the craving. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And, I, and I do like uh, uh, beautiful things while I'm more practically uh, focused, actually. But... Uh, if it if it doesn't if I don't have them it's also fine. Sure. Good. Yes. So the next section of your book is about your relationship with and service to the field of unity. Yes. And, and uh, it becomes real interesting. Yeah, this is a nice. I, the, the, this is where it gets real juicy towards the end of the book. You're talking about <laughs> these, <laughs> that and the traps section. I thought were in, especially interesting. So, what would you like to say about that? 
Well, it is like I mentioned earlier in this uh, interview uh, that we have a very unique seed. If we were a tree or a flower, we have a very unique seed. And in this seed, it was already known who we would become. Mm -hmm. And our uh, character and physical body are, uh, are the vehicles in which we can uh, put things into manifest. So your, uh, uh, your service of the fields of unity is become... Um, uh, letting yourself be yourself and expressing yourself in your pure form, which feels like uh, just you. And that is very, it is like, like, like uh, finding your mission, mm. finding your, your purpose in life. Right. And uh, a lot of people think that it is in the future and it is very, very beautiful. And we have to work very hard to come there. And uh, the contradiction of that is that your purpose in life, your mission, is being your ordinary self. And just by being your ordinary self, you do exactly what you have to do and play your part of this uh, play we, we play with each other. So there are people who have the role to confront people and not, not many people like them. So they have a very difficult role. <laughs> You know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. No, go ahead, continue. And there are also people who have a very more uh, serving energy, mm -hmm. who will never be in the spotlight. And they are also very important chains, part of chains in the part of the chain, yes. So, by uh, fulfilling your, your, uh, your role into the field of unity is being completely your ordinary self. Yeah. In, in Sanskrit, they call it your dharma. You've probably heard that word. It's kind of almost an obvious point, but maybe not as obvious as it should be. But obviously, you know, different people have, have different roles to play and different contributions to make. And so, you know, you could have a million enlightened people and there, there's going to be tremendous variety among them. And it, it, it's not something that's all, all going to look the same on the outside. Exactly, and it is an uh, uh, obvious point, but people don't really know how mm. they have to be themselves, and they're searching for themselves, who am I, what do I have to do, and they overlook that they already are doing what they do. Yeah, so <laughs> do you have any guidance for people to... Yes, observe mm -hmm. how you act. <laughs> In, uh, at the moment you are completely relaxed. Mm -hmm. and see what you do to other people because if you are doing the dishes or whether you are uh, cycling on, uh, uh, on the road or uh, being at your office you in every place you are being you in every place you are doing the same thing you even did that when you were three years old or were in kindergarten mm. i could make i could make a scan of the children in the kindergarten and know exactly what their purpose in life is really because it is obvious when you are in, still in the crib. <laughs> huh. Really, so in your experience, if, like, if you go to your child's classroom, for instance, and you see yes. all the kids and you interact with the kids, you actually get a pretty clear vision of th exactly. th this kid's going to be a doctor and this kid's going to be a scientist? No, what no. Kind, what kind of things? I, I, I don't see this, this kid's going to be a doctor because that is, and that is the misconception of a lot of people in finding their purpose or mission in mm -hmm. life. They think, do I have to be a doctor or do I have to be a lawyer? Or do I have to mm -hmm. be, and that is the form. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but the form is organically of service to your energy. So your your purpose in life is an energy thing. Yeah. So, for example, if you look into the uh, the little bed of the baby, and you say, "Oh, I feel completely calm when watching him." Mm-hmm. The purpose of life is of that baby is to calm uh, calm people down. I see. Whether they do it as a coach or as a uh, uh, a gardener or whatever. Yeah. So it's a more fundamental quality, obviously, rather than what yes. profession they're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. The, you, the profession is completely uh, uh, your choice. Right. What you like to do. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah, you have to have fun by doing it. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Because because joy is the resonance of your pure soul. So so joy is your lead to doing what you have to do. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> and not hard work. Yeah. That's Unless you get joy out of that. Some people exactly. do. <laughs> and, and I only get money when I work very hard. Yeah. And the more painful it is, the more recognition I get. <laughs> yeah. No pain, that's no gain, they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's completely uh, different in real life. Yeah. Yes. You know, they say that um, the way things are going with automation and all the technologies that are coming along, there may be a point at which there really isn't that much work for people to do, you know, because so much of it is done for us by various things. And so, you know, human, whole human, the whole society might have to f- restructure itself in such a way that we, we know what to do with all this spare time, you know. <laughs> and in, in a way, it's, you know, obviously it could be used for, for spiritual purposes and artistic purposes and, and all kinds of beautiful things like that, rather than just working, working, working. Well, maybe we, we will heal the world yeah. by doing what we love to do, because when you have a love for uh, environment mm-hmm. and you, uh, you're putting your passion into it, and one million people are doing that. Yeah, yeah. It will be very different than they are go than if they were going to their office and, and sit behind the computer. Yeah, and doing something money. they hate, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think we will be in a, a much more balanced state, and the world would uh, uh, mirror that balance. I think so too. Um, Here's a follow-up question from Amanda in Florida who asked about the suffering. She said, um, do you have any advice on picking up suffering from others and how to an- handle that? Um, yes. She, she says in parentheses, everything you guys have been saying is spot on. <laughs> yes. I, uh, Amanda, what I'm going to say now is maybe difficult, but it is a choice. Uh, and here is why. Uh, because you have learned to be of service to other, and that you would would uh, be recognized and you no know, acknowledged by uh, maybe mother that if you took care of her, uh, or maybe father, I don't know. If you took care of her, they would say, "Oh, you are nice." So there's a very deep down uh, uh, a choice you made to be there for others. So if someone suffers completely, uh, immediately your energy system goes there and you say, give it to me, I will help you. Mm. And if you uh, change that belief and you say, I want to help but never again uh, by the cost of myself, then that will stop. 
immediately mm -hmm. if you make that choice. Great. Thank you. Does it make sense? Yes. Well, I, I, maybe Amanda will tell us, but it makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes. That is, that is also, I hear a lot of questions about uh, picking up energies and uh, with some, some people who uh, find the spiritual world very interesting, they find uh, uh, it very interesting to have an identity that can pick up energies. Mm. So they end up by picking all energies and want to get rid of it any, yeah, again. Yeah. Because they, they, there is a belief that it is uh, interesting quality to pick it up and that also is a choice. Yeah. So in other words, watch out what you wish for. Exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we aren't aware of what we wished yeah. in the past always. Here's a question from Mark Peter in Santa Clara, California. Um, he asks, has your awakening and growing abidance in the self had any impact on your relationship to perceived planetary threats? For instance, global warming, environmental degradation, things like that. To perceive planetary... I well, in other words, it. like, you know, your self-realization, your, your abidance in the self, how has that... I mean, some people are really freaked out, for instance, about global warming and what's happening yes. to the environment and things yes. that they feel depressed. They don't, some people don't even want to live. They feel like they shouldn't, exactly. have, they shouldn't have children because they don't want them to be born into such a world. So um, has your self-realization had any impact on your perception of these larger planetary... Exactly. Yeah. Yes, totally. Uh, there was a phase that I was very sad about how people harm themselves and harmed the world. But it was a phase mm -hmm. because uh, later on I realized that I have to, that I couldn't change the world uh, in, in his total. And it was also not my role to change uh, environment issues. And I do what I can in my square mile to fulfill my role in the play. So, and I also realized that if I am still fighting towards all the things that harm from a dualistic, from an ego point of view, I am also finding from an ego point of view. Mm. So if you really want to open your heart, you have to accept also this kind of people. And I have a very interesting uh, exercise to do so. What's that? Because um, um, if you are have an image of some of those perpetrated who uh, 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 reckoned world, you can uh, you can uh, tune in into the resonates by seeing a picture or a movie or a, a video on YouTube uh, of this harm or on the news, and then you have to, as we did in the beginning of the interview, you have to uh, inhale the complete uh, uh, being, the complete energy system, the appearance of the perpetrator and have let them into your heart and that is where everything is already accepted accepting is nothing that you can do accepting is already here if you let that non-accepted object into your heart know what i mean yeah and this is also uh, helping if you are fighting against an ex-partner or something mm. or or a parent or take a picture and really inhale them and that is very difficult because then I see, always see that frog with that blown up ego you know I don't want to accept you <laughs> you know 
But if you do and you are interested in what will happen, you will notice that your heart is opening and the perpetrator becomes human. Yeah. I heard an interesting story about a Tibetan monk who was kind of tortured and imprisoned and per persecuted by the Chinese. And he eventually got out of there and someone said, asked him about his experience. And he said, he said, it was very difficult. I almost lost compassion for them a couple of times. Mm, wow, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you need to be vigilant again. Right. And it can take a lot of effort. Uh, really, yes. Nice. I once got a ha hashtag on Twitter and uh, I went in one night, I went through this whole scene of hooligans and, <laughs> you know, they call themselves hooligans and, uh, uh, well, I can explain. I translate Tro Troublemakers. It. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, they, they say, oh, we are going to this lecture of hers and make some trouble. And oh, they're going to go to your lecture? <laughs> yes, mm. and I woke up and I saw this, and I took the picture of one of those men. He had a red, red curls and a red beard, mm -hmm. and you know. And uh, I looked at him and I let him into my system, and I, I was shaking and it was very hard. Mm. And this is this is how it is, it is done, you know. And at a certain moment, it dissolves mm. and it becomes soft, and my hashtag disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah. Let's go on to the last chapter of your book. It's called Traps. And yes. um, there's some interesting things here. Here's a funny one, the, the spiritual ego. And there's a quote, I have passed that. I have no ego anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I see that a lot in the face that uh, the moment you, you got this first awakening and you see how it really is, yeah. and there's still a, a large ego that says, I've seen it. Yeah. And, but then it becomes more like a memory of awakening and not a really awakened state that continues in the present moment. <clears throat> That's very different. Yeah. There's a, you know who Adya Shanti is? Yes, yeah, I he, like him, yeah. yeah. He has a nice quote where he says, uh, I feel like I'm always a beginner. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's really a you know, very advanced soul, but he, he, and he, he honestly means that. It's not just false humility. He's, he, he, you know, when you talk to him, he's like, who knows, you know, maybe 10 years from now, I'll look back at what I'm doing now and I'll think, you know, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, I was an idiot. Because yes. you know, there's always this growth. That's, that's the experience. Uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that, yes. I always feel like a, a country girl. <laughs> mm. I'm still a country girl, yes. Yeah, so it's good to keep that in mind. Uh, another, another trap you have here is meaninglessness. Yes. Yes, a lot of people can... can well, even become depressed uh, over meaninglessness about life if they see that life hasn't really a goal, hasn't really a goal. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't really have to save the world. We have a choice to do things differently. But it doesn't matter for consciousness itself. It doesn't matter. It just provides energy. It's up to us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And those, there's, there's mean, the meaninglessness. But... Uh, the pitfall of meaninglessness is um, <clears throat> that you uh, are feeding the, the story of meaninglessness. So it can be an insight, but don't allow yourself into a depression because insight becomes story. 
Yeah. I'm going to be interviewing a fellow named Michael Murphy, I think in January. He, he was one of the founders of the Esalen Institute. And uh, he wrote a very interesting article about what he calls evolutionary panentheism. And that's a big word, but what he means by that is that <clears throat> there actually is a purpose to life and a purpose to the universe. And it's been, that purpose has been sort of moving things along for billions of years in, in, a, in an actual direction, we could say, towards, mm -hmm. towards greater and greater complexity of physical systems, but for the purpose of greater and greater evolution or, or embodiment of divine intelligence, if we want to call it that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you... That, that's, I would say, my perspective, that there really is a... Um, it's a not plan. The universe is not meaningless. It's not, it's not arbitrary. It's not random. Uh, there, no. There is a sort no. of a divine intelligence guiding the whole thing. I don't, know, uh, I don't know if you like that yeah. word, divine intelligence, but there's, there's, there's some kind of vast intelligence at play here. Well, I don't, I don't like the word uh, um, goal or plan. Well, that kind of makes it sound like you're going to get to a particular end point, which, exactly. which I'm and not saying. It, no, I'm not saying that. And that it, has, that it has a form, and that is very linear and uh, uh, mind-thinking. Yeah. But I do feel there is a, a, an irresistible uh, urge to grow and to evolve. So it is an, an ongoing stream, an ongoing drive into our life. We cannot stop it. We cannot go back. Yeah. But I don't know if it has a goal in form. Well, yeah, I don't mean to say that exactly. And, and the way you put it is very good. And, and I think that that drive that we experience in ourselves is actually, it's not, we're just experiencing it in ourselves, but it's everywhere. It's in everything. Exactly. And that is, again, that is like the plant. Yeah. Which wants to... Uh, Go towards uh, the sun or whatever. Yes, exactly. So, and uh, so it is not like a, a perp the purpose from our eye point of view, mm -hmm. is if we are a rose, we have to become that rose. And that is our responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> to grow into what we are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Another one of your little traps points is uh, consciousness is something outside yourself. Um, yes. It's, it isn't me and consciousness, it is I am consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also not me and an angel, not me and an, uh, uh, not me and this, this guidance. I am that guidance. Right. Ultimately, it's all within us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then, if you really, 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 really see that, uh, all these ideas about um, what we just talked about also come into another light, I think, I feel. It is. Um, it isn't from a from a consciousness uh, point of view. It isn't that you want to reach something or accomplish something or or go anywhere. It is all within the joy of this moment and the urge of expression. Yeah. And the urge of growth. So that is from a mind perspective. We we want to. Uh, believe in forms and goals and reach and gain and from consciousness perspective there isn't 
Yeah, I think, you know, when we put it, in a, just to reiterate what I think you just said, when we put it in human perspective, it's very often, okay, there's this linear process and there's a goal that I'm going to reach and so on and so on. But that's not the way God thinks. No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're just translating it's, the way God thinks into the way people think, and it's really exactly. you know, something bigger than that. Exactly. So it really, uh, God really doesn't make any distinction between victims, perpetrators, anger, joy. It doesn't make any distinction. It, 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 it is. It, it provides energy. Yeah. It provides the surrounding. Yeah. One big evolution machine. Exactly. <laughs> Um, in the last part of your book, very beautiful, um, Vision of the Future, and you talk about when awakened consciousness shines through all people, a whole new civilization will arise. Um, what would you like to say about that? Uh, when you see the world from an energetic point of view, uh, the whole surface layer isn't that important anymore. And uh, when you look at someone, or some animal, you feel immediately the connection or you feel that uh, you have to let them pass by and that's okay. It is, uh, you don't need words anymore to really connect. You don't need the same interest anymore to connect. There is connection or there isn't resonance. Mm -hmm. And if everybody would, would, would live exactly the life that they were meant to be as that seed, and we would acknowledge that everyone follows their path, we wouldn't want to change them. We wouldn't want to change the path. We wouldn't want to control the path of our children. There, was, there, is, there is no distinction between races or genders or... Uh, age, it would be totally different. Mm. So are you kind of optimistic about the world, um, you know, for yourself as you get older, for your children, for the whole humanity? Do you, I mean, some people get pretty depressed because they think, well, look at all the pollution and the corporations yes. and the politicians and all this, the and the, how, yes. can we, how can we have any effect and, you know, we're all going to die. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you uh, have a more optimistic view? Well, I don't let myself become depressed by those thoughts, but if, or I don't know if I'm really optimistic, because we are pretty, yeah, the world is pretty kind of messed up. Messed up, yes. If something really big has to change, but I think uh, that is already uh, going on. Yeah. It, I, it would be, I was very surprised that Donald Trump was elected. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it could be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it could be interesting. I would, it was a very interesting choice. And it would be an, a far more interesting choice if uh, we didn't choose uh, either of them. Because then we had, to, we had to take responsibility for our own. And we still don't do that. Yeah. Well, we had to choose somebody. I, I happened to choose Bernie Sanders, but he didn't get too far. Do you really have to choose? Because well, if you, if you want to vote, you have you make you in, have in the to Netherlands. Vote. In the Netherlands, is if if not fifty percent of the people vote, the elections mm, are undecidable. Really, there isn't a government anymore. <laughs> uh, we don't have that. I mean, if if in the United States, if if only a hundred people voted in the whole country, they would take oh, the, really? the choice of who, you know, oh. whoever won and. 
you know. Well, that's but, not a democracy, right? <laughs> yeah, we end up with somebody one way or the other. Oh, I thought it was the same in, in, in the Netherlands. If 50% doesn't, doesn't uh, back it up, then... Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a whole other topic. And, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. And but I'm sure that there, could, that there could be a more yes. enlightened politics and, uh, than there is now. But, exactly. Yeah. But it was just my point that it is changing already. Yeah, it's changing. But I think uh, uh, we have to... I think the, the problems will be bigger, will become bigger and, uh, because uh, people still don't see. Yeah. And so if we still don't see, the world has to mirror uh, bigger. Well, this, is, this ties into your whole theme of what we've been talking about with the individual, that, you know, things are designed to help us see. And, you know, I, I agree that probably in many ways the problems will get bigger in the world, but uh, that will be sort of instrumental in a, in a collective awakening, you know, that is really yes. under, underway already. And so ultimately, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yes, if we see it instantly, yes. Yeah. And we we are we we are shocked by all this. <laughs> but we we will be shocked. Yeah. Most people will be shocked, and then it is good. There are people uh, who have walked the path already and can help. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff happening that you don't hear about on the news, but um, it's building momentum more and more. Yes. Yeah. Great. But I I think it is uh, it is a pity that we need uh, this shock. Yeah, it would be I nice if it, it could be it done with be necessary. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't think we have to wait for it. No. But but a lot of people do need shock apparently. Well, you make a good point. I think that if the whole 7 billion of us can't escape the shock, at least we have the choice personally to do things in our life to to live our life in such a way that we can come through the whole thing relatively untraumatized. Exactly, yeah. yes. You, then you do a great job for every one of us. Well, we all, we're all doing our thing. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Vera, this has been great. Is there any closing remarks you'd like to make to people about what you have to offer and stuff like that? Well, if you want balance, you don't have to come to me because <laughs> because balance is living on the surface and i'm offering a really intense life mm -hmm. and uh, seeing through life and i i really hope it is my passion to let people see that life isn't that difficult mm. they are very simple uh, ways of uh, seeing and yeah seeing things and walk through life is that course that you offer that we talked about earlier uh, offered in english or just dutch yes we only english yes okay great so people can go to your website and check that out if they want to VeraHellman.com. So I'll be creating a page on BathGap.com about this interview, as I always do. And uh, it'll have some information about you and a link to your website and a link to your book. And they can, people can get in touch with you through your website if they want to. Yes. Yeah. And I will respond. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And um, the interview will go up uh, in a week or two. 
because there's, there's a little bit of a backlog right now, but it'll be going up. I'm sure people will enjoy it.